even when the market is as hot as it is in Metro Vancouver, sometimes a house for sale doesn't sell. Todd Talbot from Love It or Listed Vancouver will talk about homes that don't sell and perhaps suggest some reasons why that happens. The face of Metrotown uh, will have Matt Lee and Simon Little in on demo evictions in Burnaby. And John, owning a home has never been as difficult as it is today to achieve for anyone in Metro Vancouver. And in a similar vein, renting a home affordably is becoming a real squeeze. Vacancy rates in Burnaby, like many municipalities, are hovering around 0%. Yeah, Ian, and that's uh, one of the big stories we're going to cover for you today coming up. But first, I want to take a look at some of the other stories that made uh, real estate news this week. And uh, it was a very busy week, as uh, as you know, Ian. Uh, consider it a sign the province's housing market won't be slowing down. In its second quarter forecast for this year, the BC Real Estate Association predicting the number of housing units sold to reach more than 115,000 by the end of this year. That would easily break the record set back in 2005, which was uh, just over 100,000. The board says homes are selling at an unprecedented rate in communities right across the region, stretching from Whistler to South Delta. It says sales last month were 35% above the 10-year sales average for May and rank as the highest sales total on record for that month. And the board says a benchmark price for detached properties increased over $1.5 million. That's a nearly 37% jump from May of last year. The Kamloops residential real estate market was red hot in May with a 40% increase in sales. Agents point to migration from the lower mainland. Well, a battle's brewing over the expo lands on Vancouver's waterfront. A key dispute relates to whether two parties made a binding agreement to develop and sell the expo lands in a joint venture. The defendant, Canadian Metropolitan Properties Corporation, is the registered owner of the lands, which have a value of around $500 million. The company is wholly owned by the other defendant company, Hong Kong Expo Holdings Limited. The plaintiff is Concord Pacific Acquisitions. A summary trial is set for the fall. Scotiabank CEO Brian Porter is looking for the federal government to step into the housing market and cool it off a little bit by some regulation. CKNW's business analyst Michael Levy says this is very significant. Uh, Ian Levy says there is a real concern by the banks that this market, this bubble, this huge bubble of a real estate market in Canada is going to implode. And if it does, it's going to take a lot of casualties with it. Levy says you don't hear the CEO of one of the major chartered banks speaking out like this unless there's a real concern. Levy says it's not likely the federal government will take any action initially, but this call by the big banks will spark behind-the-scenes discussions right away. Some Vancouver entrepreneurs have found their niche in the bustling Airbnb market. For hosts who don't want the hassle of dealing with tenants, they can hire property managements for these hosts. Uh, These companies now exist. They deal solely with short-term rentals in Metro Vancouver. Igor Kostin, who runs B&B Care, says he manages 70 investment properties and he has 40 clients in the Vancouver area. Then the owner of the apartment or the house for the guests and take care of communication. UBC student Ian Marchbanks, who studied Airbnb, says the city 
has to crack down on those treating short-term rentals like a business without a business license. That's obviously uh, a way that the owners can maximize their profits without uh, having to actually get into the business of being uh, a hospitality professional. Marchbank says 53% of Airbnb landlords in Vancouver are commercial hosts who don't live in the homes that they rent out. Vision Vancouver councillor Jeff Mag says he's not particularly concerned about commercial hosts, but rather violations of city bylaws which prohibit short-term rentals under 30 days, excluding hotels and bed and breakfasts. Where I have the greatest anxiety is where I see rental housing that would otherwise be long-term rental being improperly rented out this way. That can also be occurring in condominiums, and a number of people are very frustrated with their strata councils for not cracking down on that. But NPA City Councillor Melissa DiGenova blames Vision Vancouver for not being proactive in dealing with Airbnb. Right now with no policy, unfortunately, what I'm hearing is that this is overtaking the market. It certainly is encroaching on the rental vacancy rate, which is below uh, 0.5% in the city of Vancouver and is driving rents up. Well, in an effort uh, Ian, to make their concerns visible, Joyce area residents on Vancouver's east side are painting their town purple with lawn signs. You may have seen some of them in the news this week. Uh, This comes after months of battling plans from the city of Vancouver to develop the area. Ariel Dela Cruz, yep, with the Residents Association, says the signs will make it easier for people to see how the majority are against the city's plan. She says residents are afraid they'll be priced out and fear their concerns are not being considered. The city of Vancouver needs to engage low-income, working-class neighborhoods in a more genuine way where their voices are actually heard, considered, and put into plan. She says they're expecting more than 100 homes to get a purple sign from them. The city will be holding a public hearing on that proposed development this month. And because uh, time's of the essence today, I think we'll end with this last story. It's uh, kind of an interesting one. Billionaire's Row is what uh, New York real estate experts call a half dozen new super luxury skyscrapers overlooking Central Park. They're home to some of the world's most expensive apartments. One penthouse near Carnegie Hall that sold for a record $100.5 million seems almost a bargain compared to what will soon come on the market. A $250 million apartment, it's 23,000 square feet and four stories towering over Central Park. Who's buying? About half of them are foreigners seeking what one real estate agent calls the trophy buildings of our era. Others are from unstable, violent lands who want a safe haven for their money, and the rest are simply rich Americans. Julie Walker, New York. And in the city of Vancouver is rejecting claims that taxes and fees are to blame for the soaring cost of housing. A new report from the Canadian Taxpayers Federation claims more than a quarter of the price of a $400,000 condo comes from taxes, half of its city fees. Vancouver Councillor Jeff Maggs again says charging developers to pay for city services makes sense. Maggs says rising prices are being fueled by demand and that if the city didn't charge developers, they'd pocket the difference as a profit. Those are some of the stories uh, that made headlines this week. We also have the homeless count. Uh, we know homelessness is a huge issue in Vancouver. Uh, too many stories to get through in our uh, short uh, segment right now, Ian, but uh, a very interesting week in Vancouver real estate. If you put 1,000 people in a room and ask them about real estate in Vancouver, you'd get 1,000 different stories. I think you and, would. And 1,000 
more opinions on what's happening. Thanks for that, John. Yeah, a very, very busy, busy week, and it, it continues to be a hot topic as a hot property continues to be that for those that are sitting on lots of equity, uh, that those that are finding places to use that equity, uh, go to the other uh, spectrum, back into the rental world. CKW's Matt Lee and Simon Little and the face of Metrotown, Demo Victions, next on Vancouver Real Estate Today. News Talk 980 CKNW. John, owning a home has never been more difficult to achieve in Metro Vancouver and in a similar vein. Renting a home affordably is becoming a real squeeze. Vacancy rates in Burnaby, like many municipalities, are hovering around 0%. In the Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation's 2015 data suggests the average rent for a standard one-bedroom unit hovers around a little more than $950 a month. And a two-bedroom site, well, roughly $1,200. And a growing Metro Vancouver population into a melting pot of average household incomes at or below the same level as last uh, years past with a scarcity of available affording affordable homes, you're actually left with a battle which takes an emotional and a mental toll. To explain, here is CKNW's Matt Lee. I just want to give everything away. I want to start it all over. Don Gorman and his wife Eleanor are not your prototypical elderly couple. They weren't high school sweethearts who married as soon as they graduated. In fact, they didn't meet until they were in their 40s. I'm 79. I'm 74. He grew up in Vancouver. She came over from southern Ontario. But for more than 35 years, they've lived happily together. We get along pretty dang good, you know. Where did you guys meet? In the personal column in the paper. And that's going way back, 1980. We didn't even know each other when we got married. It was like heaven. Who could have imagined being so lucky as they head into their 80s? Looking around their home, it's about what you'd expect. Knick-knacks scattered around their small and cramped one-bedroom suite, treasured photos going back decades adorned on their wall, prescribed medication on the kitchen table next to the groceries they've just brought in. We get along very good. And we got how many grandchildren? Well, I got uh, great grandchildren now. Great grandchildren now. Three great, so. three great grandchildren. <laughs> four is it four? Yeah. They began their new life in a modest apartment in Surrey before downsizing to a rental suite in Metrotown, just like this one in 1986. The neighborhood was different back then. The Expo Line had just arrived long before big shopping malls and Starbucks and sushi restaurants on seemingly every corner. For 28 years, the Gormans called it home. They built a life together in that rental suite, created memories, and lived carefree. But then, in 2014, the owner of their complex sold the building. And what exactly happened? Uh, well, the owner got such a big offer that they couldn't turn it down. It was $40 million or something. It's like winning the lottery, isn't it? You know. Don and Eleanor had to pack up their lives and quickly because the building was zoned for demolition to make way for a high-rise condo. Not very long, three or four months. Wow. Luckily, they found another rental building close by. New home, a new opportunity for new memories. But then it happened again. That building, too, was sold, zoned, and Don and Eleanor faced the prospect of being tossed out onto the street a second time as their home faces the wrecking ball. Yeah, it's just like you're hitting your head against the wall. You know, you're not getting anywhere. You're just, what is going on here? You know, we're good people. We've never done anything wrong. Two evictions in two years. But it wasn't just them. The more Don and Eleanor looked around their neighborhood, around Dunblane and Beresford, the more they didn't seem to recognize it. Building after building pegged for demolition. 
how many are going down this street? Six, five or six, yeah, something like that. Yeah. And over in the other street over there, too. Somebody must hate Burnaby, the way it is. They must hate it. You figure it looks like a slum. I don't think there's anything slummy about it. Rental unit after rental unit sold off, zoned, and bulldozed to make way for high-rise condominiums well out of their price range. We like Burnaby. I like the shopping and everything's really good, you know. But uh, money tops, and there you go. To compound that problem, Don and Eleanor's health has been failing them. Even at the age of 79, Don was working part-time as a security guard to afford the modest $750 in rent. One November evening, he was hit with vertigo, and he almost didn't make it home. And I smashed my car into a pole. I just took the mirror off. It's lucky. And somehow that morning I got home over the hotel bridge. I don't know how I did it. God must have been with me. Since then, he's been left with 40% of his vision due to cataracts, and the two of them have battled bronchitis, the flu, and other illnesses while battling to find a new home. We've been not too bad lately. We're starting to get better. And ever since I got off my job and the moving at the same time, I mean, one's bad enough to have your eyes after be surgery, but to have to move in the middle of it, I think is totally bizarre. It's just like somebody planned it, you know, and it's just, to go through all this at once is inhuman. Mm -hmm. They tried to find a new home nearby, hoping the third time was lucky in their search for a place that wouldn't disrupt their everyday lives and routine. But the harder they looked, the easier it was to see affordable housing was more of a mirage than an oasis. It's very tiring. Oh, it's tiring. It's very hard on you. looking you. We were walking around some of these high rises. You know what the prices are, 1700 for a one-bedroom suite. 2200 for a one-bedroom suite, these ones over here. It's fine if you got that kind of money, but how many people can afford it? That's no surprise. According to last year's Canada Mortgage and Housing Corporation report, Burnaby's rental vacancy rate is a fraction higher than Vancouver's at 1.2%. That same report says the average rent for a two-bedroom apartment is around $1,200, but that's in a state of flux as units like the Gormans are demolished to pave way for new high-rise condos. And only last month, the city of Burnaby unveiled a plan to make Metrotown the city's official downtown. And as part of that plan, low-rise affordable rentals like the Gormans will be raised to make way for mid to high-rise condos that'll go for rent twice or three times what the elderly couple are used to paying. You know, they're good buildings along and they're good for another 20, 30 years. But they're not satisfied. They want high-rises or they want condominiums that sit idle for years. Mm -hmm. Because the money, people haven't got the money to buy a condominium of $400,000. Well, who's got that kind of money? The way he sees it, if you don't have the money, affordable housing in Metrotown is no longer possible. That's how I feel. That's exactly the message I'm getting, you know, because we want the rich people in here to build up this community. And that's what they actually said. They said, Burnaby's a slum. That's what he called all this, a slum. Uh, councilman, on the council, tear it all down and put up the high rises and put up the condominiums. And that's why all this is going on. Out of work and out of options, the elderly couple have been left with no choice but to leave the neighborhood they called home for three decades. They've now packed up and moved to a new home in New Westminster. There's people here that, that have been here for years. They're all being displaced. They've been thrown out of their place on the street. It's going to keep going until it's all taken over, you know. That's what's happening, street by street. Don has always fancied himself as a fighter, but after a five-year battle with the city of Burnaby, admits he's too old and too sick to fight anymore. It's got to the stage now where we're moving out of Burnaby. Not that we want to. We like Burnaby. But it's not welcome. There's no welcome here for us now, or a lot of people. If you haven't got the money, they're telling you, leave.
Waving the white flag, Gorman says the Metrotown neighborhood he and Eleanor spent 30 years in feels nothing like home. I feel we're not welcome. You're not welcome. You're senior. You're not welcome. You're disabled. You're not welcome. You're a guy with a family hasn't got much money. You're not welcome. This is the message that's coming from this stupid council. You're not welcome. Matt Lee, News Talk 980 CKNW, Burnaby. Excellent report from Matt Lee and Simon Little working on that story. John, uh, it, it's interesting in some ways how Metrotown is repeating itself. In the earliest days of Metrotown, it was built upon uh, transportation. Kingsway was built to, to follow Burrard Inlet from New Westminster down to Falls Creek, used as a military road. It later became paved. We call it Kingsway now. Uh, a huge intersection between the communities of Vancouver uh, for people going to Burnaby, uh, New Westminster, and very much built around the car. The whole area of Metrotown, and considered even in the earliest days, as far back as the 1960s and into the 1970s, uh, it became this uh, bedroom community, but built upon the car and a town center. So you'd have all your commerce, your, de- your dentist, your doctor, your banking, your shopping would all be concentrated in an area, one of three that exist in Burnaby. And then SkyTrain came along, and you have the Metrotown Station, which is a huge hub. And I, th- I believe, I may be wrong on this, it could be commercial, but I'm pretty sure that Metrotown Station has the most traffic, most passenger traffic of any of the stations on the SkyTrain line. And here we are sort of seeing ourselves repeating ourselves. So where people were at one time being uh, moved from their farmland, they're now being moved from their homes, and now the renters are feeling it. They want to take these three-story walk-ups, tear them down, and densify because it's along a SkyTrain route. And you've got stories like this. Does this not break your heart? It does. And I think while this breaks your heart, what might shock you and and push you out of your seat is the comments coming up from the people who could be considered responsible for this. And that's coming up in part two next. Right. Well, we'll continue with the CKNW investigative report uh, with Matt Lee and Simon Little. Demovictions. It's the face of Metrotown Part 2 coming up in just a moment. This is Vancouver Real Estate Today on News Talk 980 CKNW. We continue with this CKNW investigative report with our Matt Lee and Simon Little. We're talking about vacancy rates in Burnaby and seniors being pushed out of their homes while new developers take over. Yeah, in the first segment, Ian, we talked to Don and Eleanor Gorman. You heard the emotional interview. They were forced to move twice in two years. Their home sold out from under them and replaced by towering high-rises with rents two to three times what they were paying. Here's part two of the report, No Vacancy, the face of Metro Town Demovictions. I don't think Burnaby has a heart. There's no heart behind what's going on. Don and Eleanor Gorman have since packed up and moved to New Westminster after their tumultuous five-year battle with the city of Burnaby to save not one but two of their low-rise affordable rental suites that have been bulldozed for high-rise towers well above anything a fixed income can afford. You bring in all these high-rises and all these condominiums. Is this only the rich people allowed to live here? That's what it looks like. That's my question. I bet he'd never answer that either. 
That question from Don, a shot across the bow to Burnaby's mayor. Ask Derek Corrigan about the current pace of development in Metro Town, and you'll get a candid response. And so, unfortunately, it's like if you want an omelet, you've got to break a couple of eggs. Burnaby's 1977 Metro Town development plan has always envisioned the area as the city's key town center. And the addition of the SkyTrain, along with Metro Vancouver's regional growth strategy, have made it a natural focus for densification. We're not going to change the picture. You know, you're not going to change the fact that this property has outlived its economic life and is going to be more valuable if it's redeveloped. But local housing advocates say the situation has gotten out of hand and the city risks raising an entire low-income neighborhood to meet its lofty density goals. We can afford 15 to $2,000 a month rent, plus we have to take the kids to a school. All these buildings are going to be destroyed, all the people in them uh, evicted. Fifty-five percent of people living on this block pay more than 30 percent of their income towards rent. About a quarter of the people who live on this block have lived here for just about a year. All of those people moved in with the promise that it would be permanent housing and not scheduled to be torn down soon. A growing number of two- and three-story apartments have been replaced by high-rises with rents double or even triple the old rates in an alarmingly short amount of time. Before they're built, my understanding is you need a down payment. And a lot of the people in here don't have the $40,000 down payment that they would require. Rick McGowan with Metrotown Residents Association says the 1977 plans changed to the point low-rise, low-density apartments would be rezoned for high-rises, and the plan was modified with no public consultation. We're not against development. We would like a consultation process that involves the local residents, and that's not happening. And now an ambitious plan to transform Metrotown into Burnaby's downtown to be finalized by December could see that process replicated across the neighborhood, with dozens of similar buildings crumbling to the ground. Protesters ask the city for a moratorium on development, a guarantee of social housing, and replacement rental housing similar to policies like the city of Vancouver. But Corrigan had little time for those ideas. We can't tell them that we're not going to permit demolitions. That's not legal to do. Choosing not to, in fact, uh, allow them to do a demolition isn't within the powers of municipalities any more than if you chose to demolish your single-family home. I could tell you no, you're renting it to someone, forget it, you can't demolish it. That's not going to happen and we're not given that authority by the provincial government. And he was adamant against a rental replacement policy like Vancouver's. I guess you can make that decision. You can have property taxes subsidizing private developers and building rental housing. But I don't get the rationale of Vancouver or anybody else who says they should take money out of their pocket and provide it to a private developer so that he can build rental housing that he owns and makes a profit off of for the rest of the life of that building. Makes no sense. Corrigan says in the long run, changes will add to the housing stock and ease the rental crunch, but admits it'll come with a cost. About 30% of all of the condominium development is put out for rental. What's happening is we're more than replacing the rental units that have been demolished with new rental units. The difficulty is the affordability of those new rental units. It isn't that they don't exist. The question is, is it affordable? So where can low-income earners, the Don and Eleanor Gormans of Metrotown, go if they can't afford the new rents in the new developments? That's the, the real difficulty, and in fact, it's the way we premised all of our discussion, saying, why would the mayor of a local government be responsible for how much money people made, how much they got on welfare, 
how much they got on pensions. It was a back-and-forth discussion, and he made it abundantly clear his city's plan to develop Metrotown is their responsibility, and providing affordable or social housing is outside his power. If you want to complain to me about issues that are essentially within the purview of the federal and provincial government, if those people do not have enough income to be able to rent, it's because they're not receiving enough money either through their employment or through government subsidies to be able to pay for those rents. I don't know how the city of Burnaby can end up responsible for that. We don't have any control over pensions, minimum wages, or social services. He made it very clear. I've got to tell you over and over again, I resent the implication because you just do not get it. I'm trying hard to explain very carefully to you. It's not the city's responsibility to ensure that people have affordable housing or social housing. We do what we can to try to help out, but it's other orders of government who have all of the levers and buttons that can be pushed in order to make those things happen. And they have been able to avoid their responsibility with a relatively quiet media. And so, with the hot potato of responsibility thrown to the province like a grenade, it was over to B.C.'s minister responsible for housing, Rich Coleman, who was asked to respond to Corrigan's remarks the province needs to step up for more affordable and social housing. That's just laughable, particularly in that municipality that's never put up a piece of land or contributed anything to anything with affordable housing. With regards to the stuff that we do, you take people like Vancouver who come up with you know pieces of land, Langley, Nanaimo, all over the province, municipalities have stepped up with land and said we want to be part of the solution. That's just not the philosophy of the mayor of Burnaby. He believes that we should build it all. And Coleman says the work is being done. We've been at the table ready to do stuff in Burnaby for a long time. We've actually have a couple of projects in process over there on some nonprofit land that we're doing. Corrigan says he's been at the table too and that the city collects a fifth of density bonus cash to put into housing. But while the buck gets passed again and again, it's of little help for Metrotown residents who are still being evicted. I haven't found any place. I went last week to the BC Housing and they don't promise anything because most of the places are full. Many of these people are very vulnerable to the pressures of the housing crisis. So where does that leave low-income tenants near transit hubs like Metrotown? In some people's cases, they're determined to stay in Metrotown or attempt to find what is relatively cheap accommodation in Metrotown. The accommodation there is far out of the locational criteria. You know, you must look when you go in there and say, how can you live for seven or eight hundred dollars across the street from a transit station in the middle of an urban center? How can you do that? You certainly can't do that in any other country in the world. You know, it's not possible. For Don and Eleanor Gorman, that's proved to be the case. After three decades in Burnaby, they're already gone. Well, they say that goes around, comes around, so this maybe one day it'll come around to whoever's behind all this. And show them that stupid they are. It's not for the good of the people that live here. Families with kids, where are they supposed to live? Elderly people, uh, people who have handicaps. To me, it's too much. you got no choice. they got the power. You know, they, they make the rules. Like it or lump it. You don't like it here? Haven't got all kinds of money? You know what to do. Squeezed out and pushed out with the possibility of hundreds, if not thousands more cases like the Gormans as Burnaby moves forward with densification and the demolitions. Matt Lee, News Talk 980 CKNW, Burnaby. The entire series is available at cknw.com and uh, a great investigative piece by CKNW's Matt Lee and Simon Little. Yeah, some excellent work and uh, I encourage you to go on our website, find this story because um, along with the audio that you heard, 
you see some great visuals. Uh, you know, Matt and Simon did put a lot of hours into this story, and, and Simon uh, did some uh, pretty cool work online. Uh, some things that will show you a visual of just uh, the impact of these demovictions. Um, it's just it's, it's very interesting stuff. Head to cknw.com, and you can find out everything you need to know there. We are in your neighborhood, and we care about where you live. And when we come back, homes that don't sell. Believe it or not, some homes that are listed today don't sell. We have a reason for it, at least according to Todd Talbot from Love It or Listed Vancouver. He's next on Vancouver Real Estate Today from News Talk 980 CKNW. John, we've covered a lot in uh, one single hour on Vancouver Real Estate Today, but there's more. Uh, The big five stories that we're talking about on Vancouver Real Estate Today include... Yeah, a woman filing a lawsuit in B.C. Supreme Court after buying property in without being told it came with billing restrictions. Jenny Wu claims the owner of the property, as well as the realtor and West Coast Realty, knew about the right-of-way agreement with the District of Burnaby and neglected to tell her. She says the property was falsely described as being almost 4,000 square feet, even though she wasn't uh, allowed to build anything larger than approximately 1,800 square feet. Wu allegedly told the party she wanted to rebuild to have a home almost double the size and still wasn't told she wouldn't be allowed to. Uh, she bought the property for almost $1.5 million. None of those allegations have been proven in court. On their website, the city of Burnaby says the right-of-way agreements appear on the title of the property. Owners can apply to have restrictions formally uh, released. And we like to talk about heritage homes and protection on this show a lot. Vancouver City Council granted temporary heritage uh, protection to a nearly century-old home. This is on the city's west side. Councillor Heather Deal tells us uh, last week's decision gives the city 120 days to decide if the house should make the city's heritage register. She says while it doesn't guarantee the home will be retained, it does go a long way to stopping the wrecking ball. There comes a point at which they may be able to do it despite our desire to save the house, but we make it quite challenging for them. For instance, um, there's no demolition permit put in place for anything until there's a completely approved of replacement plan. And uh, staff are loath to approve of plans to replace designated and registered protected heritage homes. The 1922 home designed by the same architects who designed City Hall was greenlit for demolition last year, kicking off public outcries. Tomorrow, Vancouver Heritage Foundation's Heritage House Tour, the 14th annual tour featuring Wilmar. Uh, you and I, uh, during the break, were talking about some of the homes along uh, Southwest Marine Drive. That's where that one is. The Barber Residence was built in 1936, and it's, it's, it's Art Modernaire. Is, this is an incredible home. If you want to join the tour, there's still some tickets available. I believe they're around $40. It's a five-hour tour, self-guided. All homes are pre-1940. All have certain heritage status. You can go to VancouverHeritageFoundation.org to get the deets on the tour tomorrow. And lastly, Ian, we talked about this off the top. Scotiabank CEO Brian Porter uh, looking for the federal government to step into the housing market and cool it off a little bit with some regulation. And we spoke with our business analyst, Michael Levy, who says this is significant, saying there's a real concern by the banks that this market in Vancouver, this huge bubble of a real estate market is going to implode. And if it does, it's going to take a lot of casualties with it. 
um, saying that uh, the CEO of one of the major charter banks doesn't normally speak out like this, and when he does, there's a real concern. Uh, Levy says it's uh, not likely the federal government will take any action initially, but he says the call for the big banks uh, from the big banks will spark some behind-the-scenes discussion immediately. And just uh, lastly, in the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development says the possibility of a housing market correction could threaten Canada's financial stability, and they, of course, are a Paris-based think tank. You know, it makes me wonder what would precipitate this so-called burst in the bubble. So long as interest rates are relatively low, it seems like even if they go up, they'll go up incrementally. Uh, What else would it take to burst the bubble when you have such an incredibly high demand? Something that we should keep our eye on. Michael Levy has some wisdom on that story, and we'll watch it. If the banks are involved, we also need to keep our eye on it, too. John Meyer, thank you so much. Uh, Jamie Benantine is our technical producer. My name is Ian Power. Thanks for sharing your weekend with Vancouver Real Estate Today. CKNW Weekend with Charmaine De Silva and Shane Woodford coming up next on News Talk 980 CKNW.